Okay. Go ahead and find a seat. Go ahead and get comfortable. If you're joining us today, uh, perhaps for the first time, welcome. We're in the middle of a series called The Irresistible Church, Becoming an Irresistible Church. And uh, this is our final session uh, in this series while others are finding their seat. Next Sunday, Vision Sunday, we're talking about what God's got believing together for for the next 12 months. That's going to be that's going to be cool. So that's next Sunday. Church family lunch is next Sunday as well. That's all coming up. But today I want to continue in this, this series of messages on the irresistible church. Last week we spoke about a dysfunctional church. And so guys, if you'll work with me on that click button, I'll really appreciate that. We get through to, we looked at the things last week about being dysfunctional. And on the screen and behind me and beside me are those six or seven things that we, it's coming, it's coming. There we go. We talked about these things, the habits of dysfunctional churches, dysfunctional marriages, dysfunctional families. And these things need to be considered in our life and eradicated from our life because they're unattractive and they're not conducive to what God is actually trying to do. He's trying to build his church. Can I get a witness here? Three of you. Can I get a witness here? Yeah, Jesus actually got a goal. He's, he's got an agenda. He's, there's a kingdom mission and assignment that's entrusted to us. And God wants us to become a church of irresistible influence. And so I want to speak to you this morning about the things that actually we need to actively participate in developing in our lives. So point number one is that we need to become more and more friendly and inclusive. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, you're taking notes this morning, so let me write, write down a couple of things. Smile. One of the greatest things that you could ever possibly do as a human being for another human being is to smile. Do you know that when you smile, something chemically happens inside of you that's really beautiful, positive, and good? But even better than that, it releases something in the other person that you're smiling at. And if you smile at someone that's lost their smile, guess what? You'll give them your smile. You'll also make them wonder what you got up to. But when you smile, it literally says to the other person, I like me and, and I like you. And smiling is a really powerful and contagious thing that just sets the tone that this is going to be a pleasant interaction. And so I reckon that we as Christians just ought to get really good at smiling, genuinely smiling and saying, it's nice to see you. You know, apparently God loves people. I know, it's a mystery, right? I mean, I don't know all of your neighbors, but I know some of them, okay? And I, and I, but God actually loves everybody. He's really fond of every human being he's ever made. He's never gone, oh, that one just broke the mold there, don't know what's going on. God loves everyone. And because God's resident in our heart, guess what? We can find that grace. Someone say grace. We can find that grace to welcome and include and be friendly toward other people. Just some really practical tips. Number one is to smile. Number two is to talk. Number one, just, just stay on one. Just stay on one. Just be friendly. Just Someone's writing this down. It's revelation for someone. Talk. But, but David, you don't know I'm shy. I'm, I'm introverted. Um, well, we just found your cross, didn't we? we? We just found your cross. To go outside of your comfort zone and begin to talk to people. Do you know what? Let's just pretend that we are the most mature ones. Let's just imagine that for a moment and that the grace of God is on us to help alleviate the uncertainty. Who remembers what it was like the first time you walked into a church building? 
and you all thought to yourself, this place is going to catch on fire. It's gonna, the root's going to fall in. Something bad's going to happen, right? Because you felt so alienated, far away from God. But then somebody broke the ice and talked to you. I'm so proud of our welcoming team that just stands out there in the car park and on the stairs and just, hey, we're glad to see you. Welcome. It's really good to be here. But let's make it our culture as a church that any time we don't know somebody, we, we go out of our way and we develop an atmosphere that's inclusive and friendly and welcoming. You say, David, you can't build friends that quickly. And I agree, but you can be friendly that quickly. Friendship takes time to develop, but friendliness can be instantaneous. Be courteous. You will, you will find yourself rising in your profession if you learn how to deal with other people well. Every single person that's employed is actually in the people business. And the one way we can really learn how to excel is to take on the heart and disposition of Jesus. We read about him in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and with man, with people. And if that's our Savior, guess what? That can be our story as well. Invite someone to come and sit next to you. Young men, you ought to be listening to me right now. Young ladies, you ought to be listening to me right now. Pastor said I can invite someone to come and sit next to me. Yeah, you can. You can. It's amazing how relationships can start when someone just is friendly. It's incredible. Invite someone to come. A new family. Family that might be in your demographic age group. We share same age kids or something. How do I make you feel at home here today? After the service, we're going to have a tea and a coffee. You've got two choices. Slip out the door. And there are some weeks that's... What I got to do? I got things I've got, place I've got to be. But but the reality is that it's the third part of our church service is the hang time together, and new people build bonds of relationship in that. So invite someone to come and sit with you. This will help us be an irresistible church. When new people come in here and everyone's in their click, guess what? Not going back there. But when we say there's room at my table for you, guess what? When we pull out a chair. You see someone on their own going, that's not cool. We don't want that at Destiny. We want, to make, we want to be the kind of people that always pull up an extra chair, pull in an extra table. Can I get a witness? Who's felt the benefit of that? Being welcomed in, being included. It's just so important because this is something practical. Now, you're all waiting for me to preach about miracles, right? You're all waiting for that to come, right? I promise you we're going to get there. But before that... Let's, let's, not, let's not leave it all just for God to do what God does. How about we let God get into our heart and change our heart and work socially amongst us so that the church actually becomes more than a hospital and more than an army. It actually becomes a family as well. Is that good? Therefore, welcome one another. Someone say as. As Christ welcomed you. He didn't put up the barriers. He didn't make it hard. He said, whosoever will can come. And let that be our attitude as well. Invite other people to the party constantly. I love this verse in Psalm chapter 68, verse 6. I love you to write it down. Psalm chapter 68, verse 6. It says that God makes a home for the lonely. He leads the prisoners into prosperity. Maybe there's somebody here today, and I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you feel confined by your circumstances. The word for you today is that God wants to break you out of those confinements that you've got in your head, in your heart, in your life, in your circumstance. I want to say this today. If you're a prisoner or you're someone that's just a guy or a lady that's just got out of jail, you're welcome in this church. 
There's a home for the lonely, the desolate, the isolated, the solitary. There's a home here for us together in Jesus' name. And your encouragement is overwhelming. It's blowing me away. I'll have to stop preaching this point because I'm sure you've got it. We will never become an irresistible church as we put up the barricades and go, it's us and them. No, 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 it's just us. We all live in a fallen, broken world. And we all desperately need the grace and salvation of Jesus Christ. Right? We are entrusted with this message, each and every one of them. That's number one. What's number one? Friendly and inclusive. Number two, we can move on to number two. Number two is overflowing with life-giving words. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, When you talk, do not say harmful things. I reckon you ought to underline that. Because life and death are right here in the power of the tongue. Yeah? So don't say harmful things. If it's in there, of course, what comes out of here is what's growing in here, right? Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth is speaking. But look what the Scripture says. It says, only say those kinds of words that will help people and make them stronger. If you speak to your children in negative tones, guess what? You'll set their lid, their ceiling, really low. But when you tell them they're champions and you believe in them, you know, when I drove my kids to school, my pastor and Bobby Island, they were little, just about the last two or 300 meters were rolled into the car park. I look in the rearview mirror and, while watching out the front as well. I'd say things like, can't believe I get to be your dad. You're champions. You're going to have a ripper day today. Absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories of your adventures when I see you this afternoon. Now, do you think that child hopped out of that car feeling a little fuller in the tank than the kid that rolled out of a car that said, get out of my car, you rat bags. Can't believe I got to put, you made me late again. Get out. I think my kids had a better start. They, they were a few steps ahead. There was more fuel in the tank because life-giving words. If what comes out of your mouth about your husband is critical, guess what? He will perform to your standard. Ouch. It's hard to change, isn't that true? If what comes out of your mouth about your girl, about your sweetheart, is critical and negative, guess what? She'll perform to your standard. But when you begin to speak somebody up and say, I noticed you did that really well, we stand a little taller, we draw a little more air, and you know what? We rise to the occasion. Life-giving words. Life-giving words. Then what you say will help those who listen to you. Everything about you is communicating to others. Everything. Your verbal and your nonverbal is communicating. So let's become the kind of church that's filled and overflowing with life-giving words, not just for here on Sunday, but for our homes, our work environments, our social connections, right? Let's make sure. Thank people when they serve you at a register. When I'm at a restaurant and I see someone picking up plates, I go, thank you so much for serving us and helping us tonight. I'm walking down the aisle of a, of a shopping center and someone's pushing a, a, a broom. I'm going, hey, thanks for doing that. Great job. I walk off the plane and I say, thanks for helping us today. Do you reckon that means more or less to that person who's serving? Let's be overflowing with a good theme. God's good to me and I want to be good to you. That's a life-giving church. That's an irresistible church. 
Our world is in a drought of encouragement. Everywhere you go, people are negative, they're cynical, they're fault-finding, they point out what others are doing wrong, they're judgmental, they're hypocritical. Let that not be our story. We're going to get to the miracles in a minute. But let me just deal with us first. We can do this. We can change the way we talk. It's hard, but it's like a, a, a rudder in a ship. That's what your tongue is like. It controls everything. It's like the front wheels of your car. What you say is what you're going to get. All right. It's true in marriage. It's true in family. And it's particularly true in church. Number three. Here we go. We're getting into the deep stuff now. Number three. Everyone. Say, that's me. No, no. Just say, that's me. That's me. That's everyone. That's me. Everyone takes the mission of Jesus personally. You know, it wasn't to me alone that Jesus said, go into all the world. It was to us. That everybody takes soul winning personally. When was the last time you led someone to Christ? When was the last time you raised your voice for Christ? When was the last time you invited someone to your home for coffee? To show the kindness and goodness of God. When was the last time you committed a random act of kindness just to preach the gospel without preaching the gospel? I've got a little phrase that I like to use. and say, I've got a friend who's a Jewish carpenter. And he says this. You know, people look at you kind of strange. They're kind of thinking, a Jewish carpenter, hey? I haven't seen a Jewish carpenter here on the table ends. What's his surname? But as they're thinking for a while, and I slip in the word of Jesus after that sentence. I've got a friend who's a Jewish carpenter, and he says, it's a good line. You can use it in school, Tim. That one's for free. But let's take the mission of Jesus personally, go into the entirety of the world, even into Australia, and be the good news. Announce the kingdom. Take the mission of Jesus I am praying, fasting between meals. I'm fasting. (laughs) That we will enter a season as a church of soul winning. Can anyone remember back in the 70s or in the 80s? Anyone that old? And there were people actually getting saved in church services. Can you remember that? Who remembers that? That was boring, wasn't it? That was boring. When that roof, what was that? It's exciting when someone says yes to Jesus and there's snot and there's tears and there's vomit and there's demons and there's all sorts of paraphernalia on the altar. When we were pastoring in Surface Paradise, we had a move of God. We had this one night and I got up to preach and the glory of God was so strong in that room. Can you imagine it? I couldn't say a word. I stood and I held onto the pulpit. I was that inebriated by the presence of God. If you've ever been in that environment, you've kind of empathized with me and sympathized with me. But if you've never been there, you don't know. You've only got an imitation if you've ever been physically drunk with alcohol. But in the glory of God, I stood there trying to hold on to the pulpit. And the presence of God was in that place. And I went to preach a couple of times and nothing would come out. And as I stood there, 16 young men found their way to the front of the church. And I knew they were unsaved because when they got to the front of the church, they didn't stand like this. They walked up and they stood like this, looking out of the congregation. And I said, what are you doing up here? I could talk. What are you doing up here? 
So we've got to get right with God. I said, no, no, that's not how the Bible works. You go and sit down and I preach and then you respond to the word of God. No, 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 we've got to get right with God now. Who else needs to get right with God? Who remembers those soul winning times? I'm praying for that. When we used to pack up the church service, there were bongs and drugs and there were knives and there were needles and there was pornography and there was stuff all laid all over the, over the altar. We sold that off. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I'm just kidding. It wasn't worth much. We put it all in the bin. Put it all in the bin. That's soul winning and it's exciting. I'm praying that our church again, can I get someone to agree with me? Can I get someone to come into a spirit of agreement with me and go, God, we want to take the mission of Jesus personally. It's not for the elders or the leaders or the pastors or the staff. It's for me, for me, for my life. Josiah, I'm so proud of you for making a decision for Jesus, man. So proud of you. Best decision you ever made. You know, you didn't give God anything. He gave you everything. And you're going to find out just how amazing that is. Go into all the world. Here's a scripture. Can I trouble you with one more? Here it is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Write it down. Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, Don't neglect meeting together or assembling yourselves together as has become the habit of some, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's the end times. Who thinks we're moving towards the end times? Well, if we think that, then we ought to encourage each other and assemble and be united and built together more and more and more as we see the day coming. Let's go on. Point number four, generosity as a lifestyle. This is an irresistible church when people are overwhelmingly generous. I love what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I'm going to talk about miracles in a minute. Stay with me. But here we go. Number four, Paul says, I've shown you by personal example, we must help the weak and literally the less fortunate. He says, remember the words of our Lord Jesus himself. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you know why it's more blessed to give than receive? I'll tell you why. Because when you think about giving a gift, you start smiling. Then you start thinking about the joy on that person's face as they're going to receive it, and you're smiling again. Then you go out. Don't ask me why, but some people like spending money. Some people got a real grace for it. Can I just encourage that person who's got the uh, laser pointer just to stop doing that? I'd really appreciate that. If you could just turn that little red light off, that'd be really helpful. Because if it goes in someone's eye, that's not cool. We just don't want that. So thank you. Some people got a real grace for spending. And when you spend and you get the parcel, you're thinking to yourself, when I give this, this person's going to be pretty joyful about it. And then, and then you give the parcel to that person, that gift to someone, and their eyes light up and their heart loves up. Sometimes there's a tear, sometimes there's a hug. And you know what? you're joyful again. And then later you think back and you find yourself driving in the car along the road and you start smiling and someone thinks, what are you smiling about? And you go, well, I was remembering looking at that person's face when I go, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Of course, fundamentally, it means that you've got something, you can give it away. That's why it's more blessed to give. Generosity as a lifestyle is an irresistible thing. I'm astonished, you know, even this morning, families brought in eggs, cucumbers, bananas, mangoes. No one's brought bacon in yet, but we can keep, pray- we can keep praying. We can keep, we, can, we can keep praying for that barramundi, you know, banana prawns, just, just putting it out there. Generosity as a lifestyle. Number five, 
Number five, we're getting to the miracles. Number five, a genuine, deep love for one another. I do really sincerely want to trouble you with this verse in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new suggestion I'm giving to you. A new novel idea I've, cu- I've, I've concocted, says Jesus. You know, I think Jesus had to tell us it was a commandment because he knew we'd be reluctant. A new commandment I give to you that you love the nice people, the gorgeous people, those that look like you, those that are in the same strata of the social political spectrum, those people, love those people. No, no, no. A new commandment that I'm giving to you is that you love one another, somebody say it, as, oh, as. Man, I mean, it would have been okay if you said, just love one another, full stop. But then he said this, it's the kicker. He says, you've got to love them as I have loved you. Isn't that amazing? Genuine, deep love. Love looks like this. Love is a strong, positive, emotional bond that relentlessly seeks the well-being of the other person. That's what love is. Relentlessly seeks the well-being of the other person. That will make us an irresistible church. The one thing our world needs right now is love. Beatles haven't got a monopoly on that wisdom, by the way. That's God's word. That's God's word. What the world needs now... You thought I was going to sing, didn't you? We're both smarter than that. Number five is a community that's marked with a deep and genuine love for each other. Now number six, and I'm closing. Number six, and I'm closing. It's marked, it's marked by the presence of God. The presence of God. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, The believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, men and women. And they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches and so that maybe the, the shadow of Peter who passed by might fall upon them. And multitudes gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people, those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. They were all healed. I believe an irresistible church is one that's marked by the miraculous power and presence of God. So what do miracles look like? Go to the next slide for me, please, guys. The presence of God, the anointing of God, the supernatural of God. Next slide, please, guys. The next slide says, these are some of the things that, that really go along with this presence of God, right? Miracles happen. Miracles happen. Joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You know, the church ought to be the happiest place, the most joyful place that anyone ever goes to during the week. I, I, I don't know about everything else, but those people are happy. You know that we've actually got a nickname, us Pentecostals? You know what they call us? Happy Clappers. What, a, what an indictment that we clap and we're smiling. I mean, what a criticism. We wear the badge with pride. There's joy in our heart, right? And when you've got joy for the journey, you've got strength and you've got momentum. And that's miraculous because the world doesn't have that. All it has is happiness based on happenings. But joy is bone deep. God, you're good. You do all things well. And I can lift up my shout to you until my circumstances change. Unity is a miracle. Unity is a miracle. Wherever there's unity, God commands blessing. 
You want blessing on us as a church? Guess what? Hang on, I'm just going to slow down. Just gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in, okay? I'm just, I'm just going to walk in here. Just gonna walk. I'm, I'm going to get personal right now, right? Unity means I've got to get a bigness of heart that puts aside my smallness, my insecurity, and my pettiness. We still friends? Because you can't have unity unless you've got bigness of heart. I might disagree with you, but that doesn't mean that we're not brothers. I can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. And that's when the world begins to see those people really are Christians because they, they love each other. There's a unity. There's a bond that's there that's unbreakable. That's where the presence of God is. That's miraculous. And if ever you begin to take unity within your marriage for granted, guess what? You're in trouble. You start to take unity for granted in your social construction, guess what? You're in trouble. Prize it. Treasure it. Go to all lengths to maintain it. Healing. Praise God for healing. Love seeing healings. We like to pray for the sick. Why do we do it? Why do we bother? Because God heals. There's a healer in the house. And why do we have those prayers that we pray and we don't get answered? We keep praying. We keep praying. God will either give us a miracle or He'll give us grace to get through our challenge. That's our confidence. That's our faith. Glory. Oh, man, I'd start crying if I preach about the glory of God. Who knows what I'm talking about? where the glory of God just comes into your room or into your car or into your prayer closet or, or, or wherever it is that you're working on a fence line, right? Or maybe you just got to slip into the bathroom because you're working at the office and there's nowhere you can go and the glory of God's in that place. Two people know what I'm talking about. There's this thing called the presence of God called Shekinah where the glory of God is so intense it shines like a light. I met this Chinese pastor who got saved completely from communism, totally atheist, did not know God, but he heard about God. Friends invited him along to a Baptist prayer meeting, started going to a Bible study, and one night he said yes to Jesus. He went home, woke up in the middle of the night, he thought to himself, someone's left the light on in my room. He went and turned the light off. Paul, if you're watching this morning, I'd appreciate you getting back to me, confirming this is true. I've heard him from his own mouth say, I went and turned the light off, and what? The light was off. And my room was bright. So I pulled the blankets over my head because I didn't know what was going on. The glory of God was shining in his room for three days. Glory of God. Peace. Wow, that's a miracle. That when everything's falling apart, you're not. Matt, you and Crystal are going to need peace in your heart as you farewell your son. I know it. Drove both my kids to Sydney. Cried all the way home. I know, I know. I'm a big sook. I know. But God's peace is our comfort in the midst of whatever's going on, right? Whatever's going on. Finally, revelation is what God gives to us in his presence. We begin to see things the way he sees them. And then last is confidence and, or boldness that just comes upon us when the Holy Spirit comes. I want to see us become, and this is no criticism, but I want to see us become more and more conscious of being an irresistible church, making the changes that we need to. You say, Dave, why don't we see more miracles? Well, let me ask you this. Why don't we see more of what we can do? God's trying to bring something to our church. Imagine that we're like a, a sports team and some of us turn up once every so often to play or so often to practice. Imagine that. Imagine what sort of performance that sports team would have. Do we wonder why we as a church are not as powerful as God wants us to be could it be 
that when practice is on and when game time is on, we're sometimes not there to be counted. Is that getting too personal? Is that getting too confrontational? Let's have open hearts and go, God, how do I need to change so that I can become of that magnificent dream that's in your heart? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and hell hasn't got a chance. I want to be part of that kind of church. And if you're with me, can I get a witness here today? Amen. Why don't you bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment, lift your heart to heaven and just be open and say, Father, which one of these items are really speaking to me today? How do I need to change? What area of my life needs to grow and move beyond where I've been, where I've become comfortable? How do I need to be transformed? How does my mind need to align itself with your word, your will, and your wisdom? So, Father, I pray blessing upon this house today. I thank you that we are not where we were, but we are on a journey to what you're imagining this church to become. Father, this church has got a long and interesting history, but none of us have yet begun to fathom the future and the purpose that you have. It's not yet entered into our heart all of the things that you have purposed and planned, you have prepared and planned for us as a community. And so, Father, let faith, let hope, let expectation begin to rise right across this auditorium and in every heart and through every life to the glory of God. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Family, God bless you. Please join us for tea and coffee. Uh, outside in the in the cafe and next Sunday church family barbecue lunch bring something to share together hang out together vision Sunday next Sunday go in peace go in love go with God's blessing